0: So we move into our second segment of Game Picks. And uh, before we get into the, uh, the the later evening games on Sunday, Brian, there is, of course, a Thursday night football game where the Cowboys host the Seahawks in Arlington. Um, Cowboys favorites there.
1: Yeah, a huge game. In, it is a huge game, bearing in mind the NFC wildcard race with Seattle heavily involved, and the Cowboys heavily involved. We have a podcast coming out tomorrow morning. Myself and Andrew Morgan have previewed this game. And, of course, uh, our partners at Quinn Beth have have interesting odds on the game it's very one one side in terms of the cowboys are two to nine to win the game they're minus eight on the handicap but look there's various different betting options for the game with with QuinBet, Queen and also have some specials and promotions on the game where you'll find at queenbet.com or less promotions but an interesting and probably one of the better towards United games which we've had so uh check out the podcast tomorrow morning for cowboys fans the likes of fred who are Keen to hear what we say about this particular game, and a lot of one-sided conversations around how dominant the Cowboys are likely to be in this game, bearing in mind how Seattle have played over the course of the last few weeks.
0: Fred saying in the comments there, Brian, that he fancies Dallas by fourteen to seventeen points, so he's he has them comfortably covering the spread anyway. We'll see. what yourself and uh, and Andrew Morgan to conclude when that podcast drops tomorrow. And um, column Chargers at Patriots is is the next one up for us. Is there any incentive for New England to win here? First of all.
2: Um. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't know. Other than Bill Bill Belichick, I suppose, wanting to, um, to right the the wrong. I mean, like, it's it's incredible, right? When you look at Bill Belichick's career, okay. Before Bill Belichick even became a head coach, his game plan was in the Hall of Fame from his time with the Giants. I mean, this truly is. A defensive genius. And because, I suppose, of the Brady stuff, we sometimes, and we forget just how good. Like, this is the guy who shut down the Rams offense when the Rams were scoring all around them. Like, he has shut down so many great um, offenses. He had, you know, um Sam Darnold
0: seeing ghosts. He put young QBs in a blender. And Tommy DeVito he, he kept Patrick Mahomes off the field for just long enough to mastermind what for me was his signature victory in the AFC championship game. That should have been the Chiefs Super Bowl all the way there, the way they were going. That was an incredible piece of scheme. Like there's so many you can kind of point to
2: um over the, the years. And then the, the Giants and Tommy DeVito doing number on him. Um I mean that is like it's like what's like talked about it the other night. It it really feels like the 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 end of Wenger's time in Arsenal, um, where other coaches were kind of patting him on the head and saying, "Oh, remember the good times, Arsen. and that's what it feels like with with Bill Belichick. All the talk about is where he's going to be next year, you know. And I saw Cam Newton saying today and a couple of others that um, you know, they expect. Uh, the the Panthers to make a play I, I think can you imagine David Tepper and Bill Belichick in the the same room I think that would be fascinating um if that were to happen I hope that we can get uh, a fly on the wall documentary out, out of that because uh that that could win uh, any number of uh, awards I think um I I, I just yeah I, I I don't see how you can I suppose manage a QB situation, right? Because Matt Jones in his first year, you can say Matt Jones didn't have the ceiling uh, or um of other QBs, right? That it was too low and that ultimately um he wasn't going to go on to be a great QB. But he was serviceable, he was fine. Like they were it was an he was a solid um starter, right? He wasn't explosive, he wasn't fantastic, but he was a solid starter. And He's completely fallen off a cliff. Like he has been um, benched four times in eleven starts. Like it's th- over over one third of the games where he's been benched. I and and for a guy who they cut at the start of the the season, Bailey's happy wasn't even on the roster. So something is very wrong there. It it's time I think for them to move on, which. Is crazy that we're saying? I never thought we'd be saying that at, at this point in the the season. But I do think um, that that is the the case. Um, and on the other side, I think we all know what the likelihood is is that Brandon Staley is not long for the the Chargers job. And do the Chargers need to go and change the GM as well? Because the way in which the roster is constructed and the way in which the cap hits come next year is a disaster. For, uh, for them but I think they should have enough in this game and I think Justin Herbert is is good enough and playing well enough to carry the Chargers to victory
0: and If ever there was a pick I wanted back it was picking the Patriots to beat the Giants last week I sort of had this notion as I was saying this time last week that no if there's one game that Belichick desperately wants to win and will have the ultimate plan to win and he'll put Tommy DeVito in a blender it, it's the Giants game and of course that that wasn't even near near happening in the end uh, although it did come down to that missed relative chip shot field goal that, that could have could have at least sent the game to overtime and given us more more joyous scenes in that life stadium. Uh, a bit of a mercy killing there ultimately. And um, you know you, you're not loving picking the Chargers either. Go, going into New England, given the way they've been going at the moment, they're on a three game skid themselves. Brian. Um, ultimately, I do see. Uh, Brandon Staley keeping himself alive for, for one more week. But right now, the Chargers have a 9% chance to win the playoffs. So even a win here doesn't do a huge amount in terms of uh, uh, the inevitable, it seems, change happening at the end of their season.
1: Yeah, it'd be very much a, what could have been for the Chargers this season. I mean, you look at their schedule and look at the games in which they played. They've lost out with a number of close games. Just the Dolphins game week one. Is if the Lions game even last week? In fairness, they played quite well for nice parts of the game last week. The Ravens didn't. The Ravens didn't play at the level in which we saw recently. But still, they found a way to get over the line. It was quite close in the second half. And the Ravens gave the Chargers many an opportunity to get really into it and get it over the line. They couldn't do it. They've lost four games. You know, with less than a stone this year, It's just been again another wasted season. Unfortunately, because with with the quarterback and the talents they have, we we just saw magic there. And they, interestingly enough, it's. It was out there a few weeks ago, it's died down a bit. Peter King addressed it when we had him on the show recently, is that don't be surprised if Belichick uh, goes completely off-kilter and goes at West Coast, and he's the next Georgia's head coach, and, you know, the lore of having a quarterback such as Justin everett to work with and Moyne, what he's had at his disposal over the last few years, might be too much for him to turn down, so maybe that's the storyline though, into this game, is Belichick, as opposed to last week, with his love and relationship for the Giants, it's this could be the future team for him in terms of coaching. I think the Chargers will have enough. They've got players there that can, you know, you got Eckler there. You've got Ke- Keenan Allen. Uh, Everett, to tight down came back in a strong game last week off injury. Pages are in such a difficult spot right now in quarterback situation. Colin right when he called there last week. Said to you, look, it's not ideal, but just you just run with the same quarterback. You can't keep going. Just shopping and change. That's, that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the team. not good for the players. No offensive structure. It's the Chargers for me. I think this is actually gonna come to a one on Sunday. I think it's one of the, the few games this season the Chargers fans will be relieved in the fourth quarter. It's not coming down to the last drive.
0: All right, Cardinals Steelers up next. Um I will go first here. Is it is there any way that the Steelers don't go eight and four? I mean I I'm trying to convince myself that, you know, that this has to come to an end at some point. We did see, to be fair, the offensive explosion uh, as the Eddie Faulkner era got underway as offensive coordinator. I should say it's the Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan show technically because they're they're joint offensive coordinators. Eddie Faulkner calling the plays. They did put up over 400 yards of offense for the first time in in 58 games. And that only translated into 16 points, though. And, And again, you're flip flopping with the Steelers on. Do they get found out eventually this season or do they figure it out? You know, every time you see signs that they may be figuring it out, something else crops into view that makes you think, well, offensively, I still find it very, very difficult to get behind this and and uh, to, to see them as anything other than a team that's flattering to deceive. Um, the Deontay Johnson stuff that we talked about uh, the other night, kind of one sign there of that all is not well and that locker room on the on the offensive side. So we'll see if, if Eddie Faulkner, Mike Sullivan and, and Mike Tomlin have an answer for all of that. Um, ultimately, though, I still think they probably have enough to beat uh, Arizona this weekend. I'm, I'm I'm going Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh in this one. Colin, what about you? Oh, you got you got to
2: feel a little bit for for the Cardinals in their run. In I mean, they they face the the Steelers, the Niners, the Eagles, and the Seahawks in their their uh, in their last run. They they also have the the Bears in there. But like of those teams that I mentioned, like they're so physical. Um, you know, all of them and they, they kind of play punch-you-in-the-mouth football. Um, they, I Look, it was hilarious, I suppose, as the Steelers, uh, you know, get to the 400, as you pointed out, Connor, in, in, but many of the same issues still existed. Um, but I, I think, especially on the, the defence, they are good enough to, I think, will they get found out? Like, it's going to be very interesting in... Um, in the playoffs, I think when the Steelers meet really, really top tier teams, that's where um, potentially uh, it could it could change. But if if they are
0: able, like the, the Ravens and Bengals teams, they've already beaten like.
2: Well, they they, they, they find it, ways to get it done. They they do by dragging you down into the mud. They force you. They try to get you to play their game. And if you allow them to do that, and the divisional rivals do, then then you're in trouble. Um, and what you need to to do is to to look to dictate the the game on on your terms, and and then all of a sudden it becomes um, a very sort of different thing. Um, the The piece, I suppose, for the Cardinals, I just don't think that they have, um, you know, the. The roster to compete. I think again we've talked about this a little bit already, but the more time goes on, the more we see that Kyler is going to be um, the the starting QB there. I believe in twenty twenty four anyway, and um, I think it's about putting the pieces around him. So uh, they they continue to to be better than we thought. But a bit like the the Rams last week, ultimately, I think the Steelers will will have too much. Um, But I don't expect them to, say, score 37 points out of the Rams.
0: Brian, Kyler Murray is a chaos engine and he's difficult to plan for, even for for a defence as vaunted as that Steelers unit led by TJ Watt. Uh, do you see any way that Arizona
1: get the upset win here? No. I think it's going to be quite a one-sided affair. I think... Uh... Your time about the Steelers, you know, eight and four. Well, they've got the Patriots on Thursday Night Football next week, and we sit sitting here Friday week, and they're nine and four. We know they do have some really tough games coming up. But again, as the like Colin said, if they, if they need to play and trend in the way they are, which is essentially to get them these teams down to a gritty and dirty game, essentially in terms of playing their style of football, who knows? But uh, the Cardinals for me I had a bit. The Cardinals, not necessarily the turn their season around. But I thought they felt they needed to win that game in. Houston two weeks ago, they played well in large parts, they turned over, so he just showed a number of times, and they had the opportunity twice in the last few minutes to get down and, and essentially win the game, they couldn't get it done. And last week, they kind of fell back into what we saw earlier on the season, which is, teams will go in, live with them early, then essentially take over and bully them, but we saw from the from the get-go last week that the Rams were, were there to take care of business, and I think, bearing in mind where the Steelers are right now in these two games, um, this is a huge opportunity for them and it's a huge opportunity to put out a bit of a performance because even the games in which they're winning the last week 16-10 against a, a back and quarterback albeit it's a, div- a divisional game, it's not compelling. I think in the next two weeks they've got an opportunity to really stamp their authority in a card position with Burnham when play and I think on Sunday they will win this game and it'll be a very dominant defensive performance.
0: The Commanders host the Dolphins this week, and Column and the Commanders have a habit of sticking around in games. The Dolphins have a habit of beating the teams that they should beat. Is there any way that this one goes against the pattern to you? Um,
2: I, I, I suppose the I don't think in this one. I mean, I think that the Dolphins' injuries are a huge concern. Um, you know, to to lose who who they have on. Uh, defense in particular in that uh that game on um on Black Friday you know again due to the the turf is is a huge issue in perhaps in the playoffs but um they have been improving as the year has gone on and I think that they have um probably shown um That like if they can they can the offense hasn't been as explosive but I think the defense has taken uh, a step up Uh, the the commanders I mean Jack Del Rio get and who isn't a man I have any any love for um, you know given his um, his history uh, both with the Broncos and also with our uh, hated rivals Um, but like you. you traded away your two best edge rushers. And then, like, you're surprised that, you know, defensively you've kind of fallen off in the the latter half of the, the season. Um, Ron talked about it. Ron is coaching for his career. Um, Sam Howell is playing. Um, they have some nice pieces. But I think the Dolphins, you know, uh, they, they, they know that they have to keep winning. I think they have enough talent. Uh, to to continue to do so, what will be interesting, I suppose, is to see how, particularly the interior, because I, I think the um you know the the defensive line, the interior, of the defensive line, of the Commanders has been good. Um, so to see how the Dolphins' O line continues to to hold up uh, against
1: that. An upward horn, yep. I would say, in their in the Commanders' defense, really by, yeah. on the back of. Yeah, real I mean, forward is for me is the only way they can they can go in this game. We saw it have a bit of a strange ending to the half last week with essentially two interceptions in, in less than a minute with the pick six and then he threw kind of a very very kind of complacent type of pass, which was intercepted, and maybe even that scenario where he reversed back to that type of thing. But I think like have they still win 24-13, and they were convincing last week in the end. And well, there's too many things up in the air for the commanders. Is, is like are we essentially looking at they're very gone the end of the season, which for me looks not like you know I think if the if the owners, the new owners, Harrison has, has his way, he'd be firing everybody. But I think he needs to hold fire for the time being. He's got they've got rid of, it. and the more defensive people wasn't just uh, they are There was a few other ones that went last week. So unless we see something similar to offensive teams this year where they've got rid of the offensive corner and there's a reaction, can't see. I think there's too many explosive players on the Dolphins. I think this is. A real big spot for the Dolphins, right? You know, three games ahead in the division. Essentially, the division is now wrapped up. Their, their focus now has to be trying to get that one seed and get the games in Miami come January because I think that really makes a big difference to whether they can be in the championship game or not going on the road. itself obviously a very difficult thing, especially when they've been being a team. With the nature of the teams that they're going to be up against come playoff time.
0: Yeah, and the number one seed, and it probably bears no repeating, or does bear repeating, even though we've said it many times, is is such a prize to play for, particularly in in the AFC, and probably to your point, Brian, for the Dolphins more so than, than any other teams. You know, given the you know, the historic uh, unraveling of Dolphin seasons when the when the weather starts getting cold and when they have to go on the road to to places like Pittsburgh or Baltimore or other places, you might end up going up Kansas City in the in the playoffs. Um, I, I like the way the Dolphins have evolved this season compared to last season. I like the way they've been evolving during the season, and you know, your, to your point, column, they're not recording as many explosive plays. I don't think they're relying on it to the same degree. I also think you know some teams have figured out how to how to take that away. We've seen a couple of teams do a pretty decent job on on Tyree Kill, which is relative terms. And you're talking about a guy who's already, I think, at 1,700 yards uh, for for the season. That threat is very clear. Mike McDaniel's real specialty is, is is the run game. He was run game coordinator in San Francisco, learned from the best, and, and, and distinguished himself in in that regard. And, and we see that with with Raheem Mostert. We still got Devon Aishan to come back as well, and still by yards per carry, the best running back in, in the NSL after a relatively a handful of games that that he that he's played since coming into the team as a rookie. He's a nice one to get back down the stretch. We're talking about the, the injuries there. Teron Armstead is a Big loss though. That that that's a problem and that's something that you'd be very concerned about from a Two Otonga by lower perspective, especially going into these December games. Um, but that being said, if you're going to the commanders who are now to your point, Column down, Montez Sweat and, and Chase Young, not able to get pressure up front and relying on an unreliable secondary and uh, and linebacker core behind that, um, you know, th- this is very much a game that the Dolphins should win, and I think they they Will win it, and Brian, you have one more point to make before we start turning to the nine o'clock games.
1: Oh, I think that's actually,
2: yeah, Adam. uh, yeah, just uh, just popped up. Um, was um, that Keenan Allen has missed practice due to a quad injury, um, which is a, a significant issue because I think he hauled in 14 targets um, the other night, he's eight. And that's what I, I was saying, Connor. in terms of the roster construction. Um, you know, Tom Telesco obviously values size over speed. Um, but the first round pick hasn't lived up to him. Mike Williams is injured. And the pieces, like, they have Nick Vanetta died and he's uh, currently in the concussion protocol. Like, they fail to add pieces. They, they went all in in some ways this season in terms of pushing. Uh, contracts, right? And you look, and I think it, Nick Bosa, uh, um, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, and Khalil Mack, in terms of the cap hits next year, are eighth and ninth. That's not eighth and ninth in defensive players. That's eighth and ninth in the entirety of the league in terms of their cap hits in uh, 2024. So they went all in this year, but they didn't get the pieces that you you really need. Like you have to have a tight end who can block. Otherwise, teams are going to take advantage of that. And if you lose Keenan Allen, like who who is Harbert going to throw the ball to here? Because it's not the tight end. Like Everett Everett isn't going to be your your main guy. So it's that is that's significant injury if he can't go on Sunday.
0: They'll run the ball very, very slowly with Austin Eckler, who looks like he's playing with his cleats full of cement uh, the way he's going. Looks like he's running in slow motion these days and sadly not the same player he was before. Brian Panthers at books. And the last time David Tepper fired a head coach, uh, which was Matt Rule only last season, and they got a bit of a bounce off the back of it and they did finish the season strongly, which was just enough to push them down the, the draft order and force them into a trade with Chicago to get the number one overall pick for Bryce Young. Um, do they get a bounce, and can they take that uh, th- take that to Tampa Bay?
1: It's mad because it was only last December in which they were leading by I mean, by ten points going into the fourth quarter in Tampa Bay, which with Wilkes interim head coach, and they had a won that game. Essentially, would have won the division. You know, it's like Careful what you wish for. You, you fire a head coach, you get you stumble on a, on a defensive coordinator who becomes your interim head coach, which a fantastic job, but he's not flashy enough to be the head coach in the long term. And here he's doing a fantastic job in San Fran. I bet you, I wonder, does he have remorse there and think back, God, if only I had it just done what the right team was to do, which said she was to give Wilkes the job. Uh, I don't see it myself. I think the books, and I don't think it's a fantastic game in terms of oh, the books are going to dominate the whole game. And we I mean, the books have their own flaws. They're four and seven for a reason. And um, they're still hanging around in the playoff, like a lot of teams, you know, who are down in the, the pecking order in the NC, including their two teams, kind of. We're still, we're only two games out of the playoffs. Let's not forget that, you know. But uh, I think Evans and Mayfield have been playing well as, as a connection together that they will do enough offensively. And one of the bright spots this year has been the running back that came out of Arizona last year. White, he's been really good for the bucks. I think the Bucks will, will do enough on Sunday to win this game. I see this. I don't see this one being close. I think, unfortunately, for the Panthers, I listen to the podcast today. You're talking about wanting something to play for in December. Good or bad in terms of losing games and finding yourself in a position in draft-wise. Where are the Panthers? I mean, essentially, it's a complete mess. There's no first-round pick. It's going to be really difficult to track players in the off-season unless they get a head coach of real significance. It's a messy one. Books with another messy one on Sunday. All day. Books all day. I
0: I intro it facetiously, wondering when we get the dead cat bounce. But, I mean, the firing of Frank Reich, you don't imagine that this is like shipping Josh McDaniels out the door where there's a relief rally and people are delighted to see the back of him. Frank Reich isn't that kind of guy. I imagine that the players are probably... Reacting similarly to the way we we reacted and kind of rolling their eyes at uh, another impulsive decision by their owner, and um, you know, I was interested again. Another pearl from uh, from the mouth of Cam Jordan on his podcast uh, earlier this week was talking about how he actually and, and uh, the, the the Saints had a lot of time for Bryce Young. Thought they liked a lot of what they saw when they played him, and um, you know didn't understand some of the criticism that's come in his direction. But I think looking at the books, to your point, Brian, that that's where I'd be focused for, for this one. And they've come off the back of a couple of tough losses, but they were against San Francisco and, and Indianapolis, two teams that are plenty about them. And um, the close loss to the Texans in game, they probably should have won. I, I liked what I've seen so far of Baker, and the, the Baker honeymoon is lots of a lot longer than most of us, myself included. Expected he's been playing well. He does have that good connection with Evans. There's too much talent on this Bucks team to get down here. Uh, even still, uh, superannuated as they are, um, it's Tampa Bay for me, Colin
2: uh, yeah, um, to me, Connor. I suppose the the big piece here is the Panthers' future, because it's like David Tepper is King Midas. In he's the antithesis of King Midas. <laughs> Midas, everything he turned turned to to gold. Um, not the case uh, with David Tepper, uh, a man who is um, notoriously petty. Uh, there was a piece in the Ringer this week. Uh, that came out and people uh, may or may not have seen it but um he wasn't promoted at goldman sachs so later on when he made his money he went and he bought that executive's house a mansion uh, and he bulldozed it to the ground just to make a point uh that he had been passed over in terms of promotion uh this this is a guy who um it has gotten involved, and um, you know the it's not just the Bryce Young pick. Obviously, that's the the focus. And I thought the press conference was an abject disaster in terms of just about every aspect of it. Um, it made no sense what he was saying, and I don't think it helped his young QB at all. Um, he, he keeps trying to say it. like he basically spent forty minutes trashing him, and then he says at the end, "Oh, we all believe in Bryce." Um, funny way of showing it. Uh, the the other piece, Connor, is like. The the other picks there haven't worked. Like they spent uh, uh, qu- quite a high pick on Matt Corral. Like yeah, he's on the, he's not on a team currently. Icky Iki hasn't worked out at all. Um, you pointed to to stats when we were talking earlier in the week. Um, in in relation to their wide receiver one who they gave to the the Bears, who has been a revelation. And like, how are they going about team building? Like it seems like he thought that the only thing you needed was, was a QB. Um I I just I there are so so many issues um in, in Carolina I feel. Um and it's not like the situation where D'Amico walked into with the Panthers or with the Panthers, with the Texans, right? Where um basically the Texans use and horribly used guys as cannon fodder. They used a couple of head coaches as cannon fodder to get right. Um, Now, you know, because coaches' uh, contracts are guaranteed, at least those guys got paid. But maybe that's what the Panthers need to do. But because they have Bryce Young and because they've invested and David Tepper doesn't have any patience, he's not going to do that. But this is not fixable, I believe, in one off-season. Unless the you know he's going to really go all out because we know there are ways and means of bending the cap um if you have an owner who's prepared to put their hands in in their pockets but i do think this is and david tarras behavior should get fans to really look at ownership and what happens when you get a meddling owner who won't leave well enough alone i i don't i don't think things are right i think you know even the fact that they cleared out um, you know, as, as soon as special teams guy comes in, he clears house essentially as much as possible. Uh Bryce Young's size is a real problem. He is not seeing the the middle of the field. He's not passing to the middle of the the field. I don't, and I they don't have. you know, Adam Thielen. What was it, a quote I heard in the podcast? Adam Thielen is option one, two, and three. Um, and Adam Thielen is. is I, was a very good receiver in Minnesota. He's still talented, but he's not wide receiver one. Um, the Bucks are, are still there, as you and Brian have commented. They should win this game.
0: All right, that's where we end our second segment of picks. We move into our... Th-